Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis of people saying, Isaiah, I'm beginning to produce fruit. Guys, this is what this is all about is producing fruit. People are hearing the message and they're saying, I could lay hands on the sick. I can raise the dead. I'm getting messages of people saying, Isaiah, I'm delivering people for the first time. Isaiah, I'm praying now. I'm fasting now. I'm getting rid of the things that were hindering me. I'm walking in the fear of the Lord. I'm walking in convictions now. I'm praying in the spirit now. I'm starting to walk in the supernatural gifts of the spirit. This is what we have to get to we have to begin to produce fruit it is not enough that we just hear the preaching it is not enough that we just hear the podcast on facebook on tuesday night it is not enough that we just show up to church it is about producing fruit in our lives and there are people even right now that are listening to me preach but never ever produce fruit friend i'm telling you the fun thing about christianity is that we actually get to see everything we preach take place we actually get to see the dead raised we actually get to see the sick healed we actually get to see demons cast out it is time as the body of christ that we begin to produce fruit that's why in luke 8 it talks about how preaching is like a master farmer scattering seeds when people don't listen to me preach people say isaiah do you get offended when people make fun of you do you get offended when people don't listen to your preaching do you get offended when people back out during the live streams or they walk out in your live services i don't get offended because i know as a preacher of the gospel all i'm doing is i'm scattering seed you got to understand that when you're preaching to your family, when you're preaching to your friends, when you're preaching to your neighbors, you're scattering seeds and you might preach to a hundred people and only one of those seeds will grow. But I've came to a place in my life and I've decided if witnessing to a hundred people and only one person receives it, it is worth it. You got to realize that as we're preaching, as I give you tonight, seven keys to keeping demons out of your life it's not just that you hear the keys it's not that you just write them down but it's do you live them i want to live this thing out i don't want to live my life off of spiritual high like some supernatural drug addict living from high to high to high but never actually producing fruit i want my life to begin to produce fruit in the supernatural realm this is why paul said in first thessalonians 2 13 he said we never stop thanking god that when you received the message from us you did not think of our words guys pay attention here he said you didn't think of our words as human ideas you accepted what we said this is paul you accepted what we said as the very word of god and paul says which of course it is and the word continues to work in you who believe here's what Paul was telling the people. Paul said, when I'm preaching on the live streams, when I'm preaching in buildings, when I'm traveling and sharing, as you listen tonight, I'm telling you this will change your life if you understand this tonight. He said, when I was preaching to you, you heard my words and you took them as the very word of God. And Paul says, which of course it is the word of God. When you listen to someone that you believe God has anointed and they become a voice in your life as I've become for some of you 
calling me your online pastor. Praise the Lord. For some of you, I've become the voice of God in your life. You have to understand that when you start treating that person as the voice of God, you open the door for the supernatural to begin to happen. John Romero said something so powerful on Tuesday. He said, all I had to do was get people to listen to me, and it was an open door for the demonic to come in. He said, I would be at a club, and I was evangelizing for the devil. He said, and all I had to do was get somebody to listen to what I had to say, and it was an open door and entrance to their life. See, when you listen to somebody teach or somebody preach or somebody share, you are opening up a supernatural door in their life, in your life, to let what they're saying come into your life. That's why I say be very careful when you listen to people gossip. Be very careful when you're hanging around liars and cheaters and manipulators and those that are always cursing God and watching things that curse God and make fun of of the uh, the church and different things because you're opening up a supernatural door for those things to begin to come into your life. When I listen to somebody, I know there's a lot of new believers in the chat, so I got to teach you this. When I listen to somebody preach, Now, I listen to my cousin Z, for instance, on Thursday nights. When I'm listening to him preach or I'm listening to a pastor, I'm taking it as the very words of God speaking directly to me. See, oftentimes you say, Lord, I want you to speak to me. Lord, where are you? I can't hear you. And the Lord says, I've been speaking to you clearly on Tuesday nights and on Friday nights. See, as I'm preaching this to you tonight, this is the Lord giving you his word through a person. Now, I wish, I wish. The Lord can just come and come on this live stream and preach for 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 me But the reality is he uses broken uncontrite people come on share this to spread his gospel So he says this you have to understand that the word will continue to work Paul says as long as you realize it's the word of God and as long as you believe He said so the word does not work if you don't believe if you see there and listen to us and you Hear us talk about miracles, but you don't believe it's not going to work you talk you listen to us talk about living holy you listen to us talking about the supernatural gifts you listen to us talking about the fear of the Lord but if you don't actually believe it it's never going to work in your life some of you don't believe it will work you don't believe you can do it you don't believe that God has given you the same spirit that raised Christ and I'm telling you tonight I really believe I really believe everything I'm preaching I really believe that God can heal you I really believe that Jesus come on Somebody help me preach in the chat. I really believe that Jesus is coming back. I really believe that we have power over demons. I really believe that tonight marriages and ministries and families could be restored in one encounter. Do you really believe this tonight? And if you did, friend, it would change the way that you live. It would change the way that you talk. It would change the way that you act and the way that you respond to people. James tells us if you pray, and you don't really believe it with the very fiber of your being. He said you can expect to receive nothing from the Lord. And so James paints a picture that it is possible to pray and not receive anything when we pray. Some of you say, Isaiah, I've been praying and I feel like I've gotten nothing. I feel like nothing's happening, like there's no results. And the question is, do you really believe what you're praying? Maybe there's some unbelief or some doubt in your life. Even the disciples, after all the miracles they saw, they still doubted God. 
How much more? Here's a question we have to ask ourselves. How much more do we need to see before we believe the word of God is true? When are you going to stop being so skeptical all the time? I am in awe of the American church right now and how easy it is for us to believe in conspiracy theories from websites that have no facts, yet we can't believe a book that has hundreds of pages of documented miracles called the Bible and we struggle to live by it. We believe that when we die, we'll go to heaven, but we don't believe that we could have heaven invade earth right now. Come on, am I preaching to anybody tonight? Let me get a one in the chat if this is for you tonight. God is sowing into us in these broadcasts, in these services, and he expects the word that is being preached. I'm not saying this because I'm preaching it. I'm telling you nothing's going to change if something doesn't begin to break in you and saying, I really believe what I'm listening to. I'm not here tonight because I like seeing how many viewers I can get. Viewers will come and go. I'm not here tonight because I'm bored and I would rather just be in my office than being outside playing with my kids right now. I'm not here tonight because I enjoy hearing myself talk. Truth be told, I'm not a very vocal person if you meet me in person. I'm here tonight because, oh, I feel like preaching in this place because God is raising up an end time army in this generation that is going to make war against the forces of hell. And God says, I'm looking for some people that would be good soil to grow what I'm trying to do. I'm looking for some people that would have a shout. I'm looking for some people that would have a praise on the inside of them. I'm looking for some people that would take off the compromise. I'm looking for some people that would take off the status quo of religion. God is raising up an end time generation and he says are you the good soil that's going to grow fruit? That's why in Luke 8 he talks about the different types of people that will receive the word of God. He says the first type he gives us four is that seed that falls on the footpath. He said when the farmer's scattering out the seeds there's some that will be like the footpath and the word will get eaten by birds and stepped on and Jesus later describes this as those people that will hear the message that is being preached, but only to have, and this is what Jesus says, only to have the devil come and take it away from their heart and prevent them from believing it and prevent them from being saved. Can you imagine you could be in this broadcast tonight? You can be hearing convicting preaching in your church. You can be hearing the very word of God sitting next to somebody that is crying and being touched by the power of God getting their life right radically change, but you could be sitting there unchallenged and unmoved by the same gospel that's changing them. And the Bible says the enemy literally comes. Guys, you have to hear this tonight. The enemy comes, share this, to steal the word and prevent you from being saved. The Bible says not only does the bird steal the word, but it says that people will step on the word. People begin to step on it. And I want to tell somebody, the Lord told me to tell you tonight, don't let anybody step on your word. Isaiah, what do you mean? How do people step on my word? When you share with them or you tell somebody about what God is saying to you, whether it be in a broadcast, in a dream, in prayer, the people immediately, come on, help me y'all. Don't act like I'm crazy. I'm reading the comments. They immediately begin to downplay what God is doing in your life. They belittle the preaching you tell them about. They say, oh, that preaching Isaiah is doing, it's not real. Oh, that deliverance is not real. 
Oh, miracles can't happen today. And they've never seen it. And I've never seen it. And it isn't real. You have to stop letting people talk you out of the word and stop letting them step out, step on the word in your life. I don't know about you, but I'm done letting people step on my word. I'm done letting people talk me out of this. I'm done letting friends and family trying to downplay. Oh, come on. Somebody help me preach up in here. I'm done letting my friends and family downplay what God is doing in my life. You need to get around some people that are not going to step on your word. You need to get around some people that are going to put water on your word. You got to write them. You got to text them. You got to call them and say, I'm so, so, so sorry, but I can't have you in my life anymore. And they say, wait a minute, why? And you say, because every time I try to share with what God is doing in my life or my ministry, you tell me that I'm too radical. Am I the only one, y'all? Come on. Every time I try to share about miracles, you tell me I'm crazy and I'm sorry honey but I need to protect this word I need to protect this download stop letting people delete what God is trying to download onto you stop letting the enemy steal what God is trying to do in your life stop letting the bird come and eat the seed see understand when Jesus says they'll step on the word and the bird will come and eat the word he's talking about the devil and demonic forces demon powers want to come oh hear me tonight and steal the word that I'm giving you. I'm about to give you a word from God. I'm going to give you practical steps to keeping demons out of your life so you don't have to live from deliverance to deliverance. But you have to know this before I even start that the demons are going to try and come and steal this word before it takes effect. You have to understand. And does anybody know what I mean? Has anybody ever had the enemy try to come and steal your word? Has anybody have tried to have the enemy snuff out the word God gave you. I remember when I first got saved, that voice kept telling me, Isaiah, this is not real. Isaiah, God is not going to use you. Isaiah, that was just emotions at that altar. It wasn't real. Isaiah, you didn't really hear the voice of God. Isaiah, you don't really know what you're talking about. Just stay with your girlfriend. Go to that party and don't preach and don't share and don't tell anybody what God said. Isaiah, it's no big deal. It's not real. It's not this. See, that was the bird or the demons trying to come and take the word. And I wonder what would have happened if I let the bird steal the word. I wonder what would happen if I believe those demonic lies. I wonder what would happen if the enemy came and stole the word. I'm not bragging. I'm not being facetious. I'm not trying to boast. But the millions that we've touched through uh, through the last 10 years of our ministry that our team has reached would have never happened if I let that demon steal the word. That is why you have to understand how significant this is and you have to tell the devil, devil, you are not taking this from me. You're not talking me out of this. I know that healing is real. I know that deliverance is real. I know that praise is my weapon. I know that there is power in my prayer life. I know that there is power in a worship life. I'm done letting these demons distract me. I'm done letting you belittle my spiritual life. I know that you're my aunt I've known my whole life and my cousin and my friend. 
China, but I'm not going to let you talk me out of what God brought me into. Come on, somebody needs to tweet that. I'm not going to let you bring me out of the anointing that God has brought me into, and I'm keeping this word. Some of you, you get radically on fire, and you go to work, and you let somebody talk you out of it, and then you message me and say, Isaiah, I don't really know about all of this. You knew about it a week ago. The problem is you let somebody try and step on your word and steal your word. The second soil that Jesus, you don't have to write this down, but this is the second soil that Jesus says will not bear fruit after they hear the message. He says it's the rocky ground. And here's what the Bible says. They will hear it and receive it with joy, but because they don't have deep roots, when temptation comes, they fall away. These are people, now I'm describing some of you tonight. You're, it's all making sense to you. These are people that believe for a little while. These are people that are saved for six months or a year or maybe a little bit longer. They love revival. They're excited about the fire, the miracles, the signs and wonders. But the second that things get tough, oh, come on, some of y'all are getting quiet. The second that they don't agree with somebody in the church, the second that old girlfriend or that old boyfriend or that old family member comes back, the second that temptation comes because it will come, the second that they uh, get any kind of adversity or trial, they fall by the wayside because their spiritual life never took root in a personal relationship with Jesus. The roots look good from the surface, but under the surface, there's no depth. They don't have longevity and they end up falling back and disqualifying themselves from the race. I hope I'm helping someone tonight. And this type of person, the second type, might be worse than the first type because they've actually experienced so much and they've experienced the power and the anointing and the glory, but they didn't let it take root in their life. And it's time for you to stop being so rocky, stop being so shallow, and stop being a six-month Christian. I'm telling you, God is done with six-month Christians. God is done with believers that don't last when adversity shows up. We are like the believers in John chapter 6. They're literally, if you read John 6, they're chasing Jesus around. He's walking on water. He's making bread. He's doing all these things. And 10 verses later, Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the Bible says they all deserted him. And the Lord says, that's like some of you tonight, you're 10-verse Christians and you can't last longer than 10 verses. You can't last long in adversity or a long time in trials or a long time under pressure. Oh, but I prophesy and I speak over you that you will last during this crisis, that you will last in adversity, that this is not the moment where the government's going to silence the church, but this is the moment where the church's greatest moment where they're going to preach to more people. They're going to share with more people. More people will hear the gospel right now in 2020 then they will have ever heard it before and that is not you cannot argue that that is statistical according to all the live stream numbers I'm telling you there is a remnant rising up that says we are going to let the word take root the third type of person, and I'm gonna go into how to keep the demons out, and I'm gonna, I'm don't don't worry, but I have to set the stage here. Is the person the Bible says that the word falls on the thorns, and the message or the preaching it gets crowded out by you got to stay with me by the cares, the richer riches, and the pleasures of this life. The Bible says they hear it, but what prevents them from living it? Stay with me. They hear it, but what prevents them from walking in it is the cares of life. Let me explain to you 
what prevents them from walking in revival. My kids have school tomorrow. My family needs another vacation. I have a bill I have to pay. I have a light thing that's overdue. I have to make sure that we go to this or we get to this. We have to get to the movies on movie day. My kids have baseball games and football practice and gymnastics and cheerleading and band practice and cooking practice and woodworking practice. I'm telling y'all, it's the cares of life. This is what your Bible says, not what I say. This is what preachers won't tell you about. It's the cares of life that prevents you from hearing the word and it taking root. And it's time for us to begin to give up our cares and stop being so stressed out about everything. When's the last time your stress got you anywhere? The Bible says, do not worry about tomorrow for today has enough worries in itself. It says not just the pleasures of life, but the riches of life. You are trying so hard to climb the ladder of corporate America. And this is what our culture, come on, everybody right now share. This is what our culture, we're not even in the intro yet. This is what our culture teaches us today from the time we're born is about how much money you can make, how much wealth you can gain, how much status you can have, what kind of nice car you can drive, what kind of nice house you can have. And you know, when you go to the family reunion, everybody is judging you based on social economic status, based on what you drive and the house you have. And they say, oh, Isaiah successful. Did you hear he bought a house here? Isaiah successful because he just paid off his car. Oh, oh, so so-and-so is successful because they make $70,000 a year or so-and-so is successful and we gauge and measure success based on the eyes of men, based on the riches. And the Lord is saying what makes you successful is not the degree you have, the car you drive or the money in your bank account, which there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But what makes a person successful is are they making disciples? Are they praying and laying hands on the sick? Are they driving out devils? Are they living a life of fasting and holiness. I'm here to tell you that success in the eyes of man is possibly failure in the eyes of God. And I would rather all my friends and family think I'm an outcast and all my friends and family think I'm a failure because I'm a preacher and be successful in the eyes of God than to have all my family schmoozing over me because I have a great job and I make $150,000 a year at some office down the road and be miserable in my spiritual life. I do not want to live my life letting the riches choke out the seed. Come on. If anybody's hearing me, let me know in the chat tonight. It's those riches that prevent us. That's why the Bible says the poor have something to boast about. It's what James says. He says the poor have something to boast about and the rich will, will wither away. Guys, I'm telling you, wealth is fleeting. Success is fleeting. Status is fleeting. It is all going to burn one day. What matters is what we're doing for the kingdom of life. Now it talks about pleasures, riches, and things. And then the fourth person that God says is it's the good soil. And the Bible says it represents good-hearted people that when they hear the word, they cling to the word. And that actual Greek translation means they produce fruit with much patience. It means they don't give up when things get tough. We live in a society. Let me just go on a sidetrack here. We live in a culture and a society that does not teach us how to hang on, but it teaches us how 
how to quit. Oh, you don't like the girl that you're with? No problem. Sign a couple papers and you could have a new wife in a year. You could be back in the ministry. Oh, you don't like the job you're at? No problem. We don't even put in two weeks notice any longer. You can just give up. Our culture has ingrained on the inside of us how to give up and how to quit when times get hard. But you have to understand the gospel is about pushing through hard times. It's about pushing through adversity. It's about pushing through the struggles of life. And God is looking for somebody that says, I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to quit when times get hard. Somebody right now needs to hear me. You are going to survive the storm that you're in. You are going to make it through. Come on, help me by sharing the stream. You need to hang on to the word. Some of you, this word is going to get you through next week. I have people writing me saying, Isaiah, please don't skip out on any live streams, which thank God I haven't missed one live stream since January. People say, you don't understand. I'm depending on these live streams. Friend, we had a family vacation that got canceled, but even before I said, I'm going to drive home from the family vacation, come live stream, and then I'll drive back up to the vacation because people's lives are depending on the word that is being preached. And only one out of the four people Jesus talks about actually hear the word and actually produce fruit. Do you have to be the person tonight and say, I'm choosing to be the good fruit. I'm choosing to let the word take root. I love every one of you in our community. I'm, I know a lot of you by name. I've built an amazing relationship with some of you just through talking, just through comments, just through messaging. I'm trying my best. I get hundreds of messages and I'm trying my best to respond to all of you. I'm trying my best to get back to all of you, but I'm telling you, I don't want to create a community or a culture that just surrounds themselves with good preaching, but never lives it out. I love when people write me saying, Isaiah, I'm doing this stuff for the first time. I'm praying for the sick. I've never done this until I heard you talk about this. I've never cast out demons. It actually works. I had several messages saying, Isaiah, it actually works. I actually delivered one of my kids. I actually delivered one of of my neighbors. I actually did deliverance on somebody. And I'm telling you, this is something we need to be prepared for because the devil will come and try to steal this word. And so you need to be prepared. We as the body of Christ need to be equipped and we need to be prepared to keeping demons out. I'm going to tell you why. Oftentimes what happens is we get delivered and we get breakthrough, but it's temporary. And within a week or two, the demons come back and you begin to write me and say, Isaiah, I don't know what happened, but it's been about six months. And I feel like the demons that left me are coming back. And I'm going to show you tonight how demons come in. And I'm going to show you specifically more than that, how to keep demons out. People, you have to understand people have to learn not just to cast out demons, but they have to learn to keep demons out. People are constantly writing me last week saying I after I heard John Ramirez talk I went and threw out all my costumes for my kids I started purging my house because after the Tuesday night broadcast I realized how many doors I had opened I realized how many things I've been doing stay with it that are demonic they heard John Ramirez talk about how the witches and the warlocks and they, he exposed witches and warlocks and people begin to realize I've realized I've allowed witchcraft in my life I've allowed sorcery in my life I've allowed demonic things in my life. Now, listen, I know I'm going to hit a nerve and I'm probably going to lose some viewers here, but I a hundred percent agree with John Ramirez. And it really hit a nerve when he started talking about harvest festivals. He said, why are believers having harvest festivals for their kids? It's an open door. Even if you think it's innocent, he said, witches gather on Halloween night. And that's the night that they're able to come in through people's lives. And I stopped. And I know there's a lot of you pastors in the chat. Please don't write me. I'm not looking at you, but I'm telling you, it is time that we complete 
completely separate from the things of this world and we 100% consecrate ourselves. I've told my wife for years, I don't like harvest festivals. I don't like these harvest things because they're trying to make it, oh, like he said, they dress them up as Esther or Bible characters, but you have to understand the devil doesn't see it like that. He sees it as an open door to darkness and we have to constantly be closing doors. The enemy is constantly fighting every single day to get in. He's always looking for an opportunity. So I'm going to give you seven steps to keeping demons out once you've been delivered or if you're free right now. So please, if you have a notepad, begin to write these down. The first one's going to be the longest one and the most important one. Step number one to keeping demon powers out of your life is you need, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight, is you need to begin to put on the full armor of God every single day. This is spiritual armor that we are allowed that God has given us permission to use and to wear I needed to describe in Ephesians chapter 6 and there is seven specific pieces to the armor the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness the shoes of peace that come from the good news and the, the shield of faith the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and then seventh is praying in the spirit and I want you to begin to take note on the armor listen if you're in here tonight I want you this week to memorize the armor of God. I want you to print this out, put it on your mirror. I literally have a t-shirt. I, I didn't launch it this launch, but I have a t-shirt in my room that I made that has the armor of God literally on the t-shirt because I refuse to not put on or not wear the armor of God, especially as we begin to preach on the demonic and we begin to expose the enemy as we've been the last few weeks. We need to make sure that we are armored up and I'm going to show you how the armor and every piece protects you. This is step number one to protect yourself from demonic powers is putting on the armor of God. Now I want you to take note on the helmet of salvation. This is very important because the helmet of salvation, I'll go to greater detail in a bit here, is what guards our thought life and understand once a demon comes out or once you're free from a demon, demons will often try to re-enter through your thought life. So you need to become watchful of any thoughts that are negative or you feel are from the enemy and you need to separate the demon's thoughts from your thoughts because oftentimes people will get fully delivered and those demons somehow attack them in their thought life. I can't explain to you how it all works. Isaiah, is it possible for a demon that's not in you to come and try to infiltrate or try to affect your thought lives? Yes, I can't explain it. I can't tell you how, but demons absolutely have power to some capacity to try to infiltrate your mind or or it's that maybe you're picking up what is happening in the spiritual realm and you're picking up what demons are trying to tell you. So you need to be mindful of your thoughts. You need to watch your thoughts and you need to begin to separate your thoughts from their thoughts. You have to refuse every thought that they give you and the Bible says take your thoughts captive. Any thoughts that exalt themselves above, I'm helping myself tonight, any thoughts that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God, you do not allow them in. You need to stop them and captivate them before they take root. Do not dwell on negative thoughts that come from an outside source. These are these thoughts are an indicator that a demon is trying to enter you or trying to re-enter you. When I get thoughts, I immediately start quoting scriptures in my head. When I get demonic thoughts and demonic warfare begins to break out around me, I begin to take those thoughts captive and I begin to wrestle with those thoughts and I begin to get victory over those thoughts. That's why David said my anxious 
anxious thoughts, think about this, multiply. And David, you are so right. Have you ever been anxious and you sit and you stop and think about what you're anxious about and what happens? Come on, help me. The thoughts begin to multiply and all of a sudden you go, oh, I have a speck on my back. Oh, what if it's cancer? Oh, what if I die? Oh, do I have life insurance? And you're all this over a speck on your back. I mean, you have a headache and you think, oh, my head hurts. Then you start dwelling on it. Well, what if it's a brain tumor? And what about my kids? And and you just start panicking, all out panicking. And God forbid you start Googling any pain in your body. I'm telling you, if you Google back pain, you have back cancer. If you Google pain in your elbow, you've broken something. I mean, everything you Google is the worst case scenario. And you need to begin to take those thoughts, those worst case scenario thoughts, and say, you will not control me. I'm going to take captive every thought. Come on, share this. I'm going to take captive every single thought because those demonic thoughts are an indicator. This is good stuff tonight. An indicator that a demon is trying to gain entrance into your mind. You have to begin to quote scripture. Let me give you an example. This morning, I woke up with intense anxiety this morning. I'm being transparent. I'm being vulnerable. I woke up this morning. My heart was racing. I had anxiety. I I literally was like, like I was going to have a, like a panic attack. I don't ever have panic attacks. My heart's racing with anxiety for no reason. And the Lord immediately revealed to me, Isaiah, this is warfare. What do you mean? Isaiah, on Tuesday night, you exposed the devil. You brought an ex-satanic high priest on the show and you guys tore a hole in the kingdom of darkness. You ripped down the gates of hell. And Isaiah, tonight, you're about to do an entire podcast or entire a live stream on how to keep demons out of people's lives. Don't you think there's going to be warfare? Friend, do you you know if I would get on here and give you three steps to having faith I would probably face zero resistance and I would have you know a great morning great day I wouldn't be stressed I wouldn't have a headache none of that and I could just get off here and you know take a couple donations and go back to being normal but understand that when you begin to target the demonic realm when I begin to go to war against darkness there is repercussions and there is warfare you are not going to try to come to the enemy and bring him down and not expect a fight so I'm ready for the fight and my wife even said that I was sweating this morning last night I kept waking up sweating all night long and I know that it is a spiritual attack so what do I do under spiritual attack I wake up my heart's racing. I have intense anxiety. Why is the anxiety happening? Because it's spiritual. Let me give you a key to the attacks of the enemy. You always know that they are an attack of the enemy if they don't make sense. That means if you're stressed out and there's nothing to be stressed about, it's an assignment from a demon power. That means if you're depressed for no reason, there's money in the bank, your kids are healthy, you have a great family, all that, but there's depression happening. It's a demonic power because there is no explanation. Sometimes the worst times of going through things or when you go through something and you don't even know what you're going through. Anytime I'm like, man, I just feel like I'm going through a funk or a fog, but I can't put my finger on it. I know it's a demonic attack because there's no reason why I should be going through something. Okay. So immediately I wake up, I'm under this attack. I'm getting thoughts. All this stuff's attacking my mind. My heart is racing for no reason. And what did I do? I begin to quote Isaiah 26, three that says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is set on you because he trusts in you. And the moment I begin to quote that verse in my head, begin to pray in tongues, the anxiety instantly left. I'm not giving an anxiety a root or a hold on my mind. I'm not going to let the enemy build in my mind. You can build somewhere else, devil, because you're not building here. I have to walk, I have to talk about the armor because this is, I want to talk about the armor because this is the number one and the most valuable resource. This is why this is number one. It's the most valuable resource you have against demons trying to enter 
or trying to re-enter you. You have to remember when Paul gives us the armor, the context of Paul giving us this is saying, don't forget that you are in a supernatural war. This is why Paul begins by saying, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's in Ephesians chapter, oh, I'm sorry, the uh, one about the perfect piece is Isaiah 26.3. If you're dealing with anxiety or depression, Isaiah 26.3, that has broken me out of more anxiety than I could ever tell you. There is power in that verse. There is power in the word of God. But remember, Paul says our battle is not in the natural realm. Paul says it's a supernatural battle. Now, most scholars believe that when Paul wrote about the armor and Paul wrote about supernatural warfare, and by the way, I'm still on point one of point seven, Paul was in a prison cell under a Colosseum, and the sport of that time was murdering Christians. You got to understand, they would be in a Colosseum, and they would put Christians in the middle, and they would murder Christians with lions and animals and bears, and this was their entertainment. They would fight. They would have gladiators fight in the Colosseums, and, and think about this. Paul, they think, is under the Colosseum writing this letter and let me translate this because some of you never heard this he said what they're doing up there they're fighting against flesh and blood they're fighting in the natural realm he said but remember as believers we don't fight like they fight he says we are fighting in the supernatural realm and we are living a spiritual fight and all the war oh i feel the holy ghost tonight all of the war that is taking place in the life of the believer is in a realm that you can't see the battle that you're fighting the battle in your mind the strongholds that the enemy is trying to bring on you is in an unseen realm this is why pastors do not preach about spiritual warfare is because they can't see in the spirit realm so they think well if i can't see it i can't believe it but our entire faith is not based on if i see it i'll believe it our entire faith is based on i'll believe it and then i will see it that's why social media is so addicting is because the enemy wants to keep your head down and keeps you blind to the spiritual battle all around you. I have to remind myself every single day that I am in a spiritual battle and I'm not going against pastors. I'm not going against people. I'm not fighting Buddhists or Muslims or atheists or Facebook or the government or the governor. Come on, somebody better help me preach tonight. I'm fighting the power the prince demons as we heard on Tuesday night the principalities and rulers that are controlling the people that are persecuting me so the battle I'm fighting is a spiritual battle why do I need to get this because if you start understanding that your war is in the unseen realm, then you'll stop trying to fight your husband with arguing. You'll stop trying to fight your husband with debating him all the time. And you'll say, wait a minute, the only way my husband's going to change is if I begin to wrestle those demonic powers that are attacking him. The only way my marriage is going to begin to change if I begin to wrestle this thing. So Paul says you need to wrestle. You need to put on the armor of God. But I love Paul because because Paul says, don't just put on pieces of the armor. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you could withstand the strategies of the devil. Some of you have the helmet on, but not the breastplate. Some of you have the sword of the word, but not the shield of faith. Some of you have the shoes of peace, but not the belt of truth. But Paul says, you're not going to win against demons with partial pieces. You need the full armor of God. Remember the Bible says in the last days, they want partial teaching. 
teaching. The devil loves, oh, somebody needs to write this down and tweet this. The devil loves believers that will only wear certain pieces of the armor. The devil loves believers that pick and choose what pieces of the armor that they want to walk in and believe in. And he begins to have his demons strategize against weak believers. That word strategy means a military plan to overcome. And Paul says we have the full armor and we don't have the full armor. We can't stand in adversity. He says, put it on so that after the battle, now you got to stay, you got to listen to this closely and turn this up. He said, after the battle, if you have your armor on after the battle, you will be standing firm. So Paul says there will be a battle. There will still be a war, but you won't end up on the ground defeated every time there's a battle. Paul said, if you wear your armor, you'll go to battle and you'll begin to fight and you'll be standing at the end of the battle. Remember point number, this is still point number one, the armor. And this is the longest point. The rest are not as long, but they're good. Okay. So he says this, you have to put on the belt of truth because the truth holds everything together. This is the most important piece because without truth, nothing else can be held together in the armor. The Bible says it is the truth that will set you free. And what demons trying to enter your life will do is the first thing that a demon will do when he's trying to come into your life is he will try to get you to challenge the truth. Are you sure that God said to do that? Are you sure that miracles are for today? Are you sure? God is going to bless you? Are you sure that everything that this preacher is talking about is real? They make you question the word and the truth of God. And I'm telling you, it is time to stop believing the lies. And guys, don't worry. When I go to point two, I'll make it very clear. I'll make it easy for you. It's time to stop believing the lies of the enemy about what's true and what's truth. Now understand there's a difference between what is true and between what is truth. It's easy easy to describe when I'm talking about healing. In other words, it's true that you might have been born with a sickness that there is no cure for, but the truth says that by my stripes, you are healed. It's true that you might be addicted right now to drugs, but the truth says the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. It's true that you might be on the verge of divorce, but the truth is God can heal the marriage in one second. It might be true that you you've been struggling for years with someone, but the truth is God is the one who can heal. God is the one that could deliver. God is the one that could restore and stop trading what's true for the truth of God's word in your situation. That's the belt of truth. He said the second piece you have to put on is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was made for soldiers to protect their vital organs from fatal blows. So this is what he's saying. The righteousness of Christ will protect us against the accusations of the enemy that would have otherwise sent us to hell. The devil can't launch fatal blows on us because when he sees Christ in us, he sees us, he sees Christ, and he remembers the last time I fought the that Christ, I lost. You got to realize the devil wanted a rematch after God defeated him. And God said, okay, devil, you want a rematch? I'll leave my church on the earth. He won the first battle and we're about to win the second battle. Come on, somebody. If we are not in right standing with God, we will fall the moment that the devil launches his attack on us. Instead of falling down and getting back up, it'll be a fatal blow. We need the righteousness of Christ. The Bible says that the 
the enemy is the accuser of the brethren but when you have the righteousness of Christ the devil has no power to accuse you every time he tries to accuse you of what you did in the past God says that's already on the cross he says they were a liar and God says that's already on the cross he says they were a cheater and God says that's already on the cross he says they were a manipulator and God says that's already on the cross see the righteousness of Christ protects us oh I feel like preaching tonight from the accusations and the accusing of the devil it protects our heart from getting cold the Bible says that in the last days men's hearts will grow cold the breastplate protects our heart from attacks it protects us from getting numb it protects us from getting cold it protects our heart from fainting we need the breastplate of righteousness like never before he says don't just have the breastplate on he says, but walk in the shoes of peace that come with the good news. This is why they would wear shoes into battle. In those days, the enemy would lay down traps and snares for the soldiers. So it was essential to have something that was guarding your walk. See, if the soldiers stepped on sharp objects, they would no longer be able to march on and continue to fight. And so he said, put on the shoes of peace because peace gives us the ability. Come on, share this. Peace gives us the ability to keep walking when we go through sharp or rough things. Someone's marriage, I release the shoes of peace tonight. Over somebody's body, I release the shoes of peace tonight. Over somebody's finances, I release the shoes of peace tonight. Someone's situation that needs peace, it's time to put on the shoes of peace. It's the peace of God that protects our walk. It's the peace of God that gives us the ability to march on when the battle is raging from every direction. It is the peace of God that gives us power and authority to walk when everybody else is fainting. I came to tell somebody you are going to make it. The Lord is saying put on peace. It's the peace of God that protects us when we're stressed out, when we're weary. I'm telling you, I got good news that Jesus has won, that you don't have to stress. You don't have to have anxiety. You don't have to have fear. You don't have to get caught in the snares and the traps of the enemy. It's time for you to keep marching soldier. I came to tell a soldier tonight to keep marching. I came to tell a soldier tonight that's laid out in the battlefield. It's time for you to get up and keep fighting the battle. I know you're tired and you feel like the enemy is winning, but there is hope. We have the victory. The devil will not have the last word tonight. Tonight is your night for breakthrough and deliverance. He says, put on those shoes of peace. He says, but on all other, above all things, put on the take on the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts of the enemy he says above all the significant is the shield of faith because it's the faith that protects you from the plans and the strategies of the enemy one scholar says it's not just fiery arrows but they are implying poisonous arrows by the Greek text he says the enemy shoots temptation as at us and if we let the temptation hit us it will grow like fire grows or like poison grows why does the why are the darts or the demonic powers 
the enemy shoots at us fiery because if you've ever seen how quickly fire spreads if you allow the enemy in it's like a fire and it begins to spread so quickly but it is my faith that protects me from the darts of temptation it is my faith that protects me from the darts of anxiety it is my faith that protects me from the darts of confusion and the darts of deception I want to tell somebody that faith is tangible faith the Bible says is the evidence of things hoped for the substance of things not seen faith is not mystical it's real it's tangible you can grab it you can feel it it's evidence my testimony is evidence that faith is real I'm not mystical I'm not magical I'm a tangible person I was depressed I was addicted to alcohol and God delivered me that is a tangible miracle and it was by faith that I received that deliverance we need to begin to walk in and have the shield of faith he says the helmet of salvation this helmet protects your thought life it protects your mind because salvation means healing and deliverance it's supernatural and tonight I hear the Lord saying I'm going to restore somebody's thought life I'm going to wash somebody's thought life because the biggest battle that we are facing is the battle in the mind the mind is the battlefield the Bible says so a man thinks so a man is you become what you think about and one of my most often prayers is Lord I need you to change my thoughts I want to have thoughts that please you I want to have thoughts that honor you I want to have thoughts that glorify you I don't want my thoughts to be thoughts of the world or thoughts that are carnal I don't want to live my life dwelling on the natural that's why the Bible says put your mind or your thought life on the supernatural things or the things of heaven I believe tonight somebody is going to put on that helmet of salvation and their thought life is going to be protected. I dare somebody when the devil tries to infiltrate through the thought life that you begin to put on the helmet of salvation. He says put on the sword of the spirit. This is the only offensive weapon and it breaks the power of the devil. Remember when Jesus fought demonic powers. When Jesus fought the enemy he used the Bible. But if you don't know the Bible you can't fight with the Bible and you can't know something that you don't spend time in. You can't fight with a weapon that is unfamiliar to you. The only way to fight against the demonic powers that are attacking you is with the word of God. Can I say that louder for those of you in the back? The only weapon that is offensive that you have against the kingdom of hell is the word of God. You need to begin to know this and begin to memorize it. He says that the seventh piece to the armor is to pray in the spirit always in every occasion. So I don't just pray at prayer meetings. Isaiah, how, when should I pray and how often should I pray? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that you should pray always in every occasion. You need to begin to treat your prayer life like breathing you don't have to remember to breathe so we shouldn't have to remember to pray it needs to become natural to us to pray we have to begin to develop our prayer life where prayer can begin to be natural okay number one praise the lord we're for 50 minutes in number one the the rest are not going to take that long number one is to put on the armor of god so number one way to keep demons out of your life number two way to keep demons out of your life is to speak god's word over your life negative 
negative speaking, negative words, and negative confession is a characterization of demonic influence. We need to begin to confess what the word of God says. And I want you to write this down. Any other confession that does not line up with the word of God is an open door for demon powers to enter your spiritual house. And I'm going to explain what your spiritual house is here in a couple minutes. I'm glad you asked. Okay. Any confession that doesn't line up with the word of God is an open door to demonic powers. That's why in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, if you say, okay, if you speak to this mountain move, it has to move. And Jesus says he will have, this is the original text. It says, Jesus, Jesus literally tells him you will have whatever you say. So Jesus says, if you want something, you have to speak something. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So right there, Jesus says, you can pray or the original translation is you can say and it will happen the mountains have to move if we speak to them now i want you to understand mountains don't move if we talk about them mountains move when we talk to them so stop telling everybody about your mountain and start speaking to your mountain depression i speak to you tonight it is time to move anger it is time to move heartache it is time to move sickness it is time to move demons it is time to move i'm not moving so you better move don't move out of that house because there's some demons there begin to speak to those demonic powers and say i'm not moving so you better move jesus says all you have to do is speak it speak those things that are not the bible says as though they are the bible says we have the power of life and death in our tongue the bible says our words create reality some of you now I'm gonna say something that's gonna hit some of you pretty hard here but some of you don't need a witch to curse you because you're doing a good enough job by yourself cursing yourself when you're standing there saying I'm never gonna be this and I'm never gonna be that and you're telling your kids you're gonna be this and you're gonna be that you're literally cursing your kids when you're standing in front of that mirror you're cursing yourself and the Lord says you're scared of witches cursing you when you're cursing yourself you're scared of warlocks cursing you when you're cursing yourself. I believe on most churches, the devil doesn't even attack them because they're doing a good enough job causing division on their own. And truth be told, the church is causing enough division. The devil's probably on in Hawaii on vacation because the body of Christ is so divided right now. And stop lining up with witchcraft and speaking negative things over people. It is witchcraft for someone to leave your ministry and you say, I hope that they don't prosper. I hope they backslide. I know people that literally say that about people that leave their ministry. You're speaking witchcraft over them. It is demonic to wish negative things or bad things over people. And even having the thought is an open door to demonic spirits. Oh, this is good preaching tonight. Somebody needs to help me tonight. You need to begin to speak the word of God. Speak the word of God over your life is point number two. Speak the word of God over your kids. Speak the word of God over your marriage. Speak the word of God over your business. Speak the word of God over your friends. Begin to quote and speak scripture. Point number three or key number three. Okay, we've done one is armor. Two is speaking the word of God. Number three to keeping demons out of your life or keeping doors closed is you need to stay in the scripture. Understand Jesus 
fought the enemy using scripture. The Bible says in James 1 that the word is a mirror to our soul. It says in Psalms 119, it's a lamp unto our feet for guidance. It says in Ephesians 5 that the word is a cleansing agent. It says in Hebrews 4 12 that it's a two-edged sword laying bare, the, laying bare to the heart. It says in 1 Peter 2 and Matthew 4, it's food for your spirit and no person can maintain a deliverance apart from the word of God as the primary factor in his life. You need to get a relationship. Number three is get a relationship with the scriptures. Memorize the scriptures. Ask the Lord to speak through his word. Begin to develop an appetite for the word. Well, Isaiah, I just don't feel like reading the word. I'm bored. It's because you're used to junk food. That's why you don't like the word of God. You're used to watching Netflix all day and the word is boring because all you do is have junk food all day and healthy food doesn't taste good. But any person that eats healthy in the chat. I'm definitely not one of them. They will tell you that the more you eat healthy food, the more you have an appetite for it. Begin to read the word of God until you want to read the word of God. I read, and this is not a weird flex, this is not a brag, it's a testimony. I read the entire Bible in 28 days, and I'll tell you, I have never felt better in my life than during those 28 days. Those were spiritually the best 28 days of my entire life because I was feeding my body two to three hours a day. It takes about two hours a day if you read two hours a day every day because it takes about 60 hours to read the whole Bible. You have to read about two hours a day for a month to finish it in one month. I read the entire Bible in 28 days, two minimum, two hours a day of reading. And I was felt so good and better than I've ever felt. I remember my, my mom asking me, Isaiah, how do you feel reading the Bible that much every single day? I said, I have never felt better in my entire life because I was feeding my spirit man. For some of you, your spirit man is starving because you're not feeding him the word. That's why you're spiritually grumpy. That's why you're spiritually lazy. When you're starving, you don't want to do anything. How many know that when you're hungry, you don't want to go do yard work? When you're hungry, you don't want to clean the house. And some of you are spiritually starving, and that's why you're not doing anything for God, but it's time to get a relationship with Scripture. It's time to read the Word of God like never before. Okay, are y'all ready to move? Number four, that was number three, is getting a relationship with Scripture. Write this down. Number four, to keep keys to keeping demons out of your life. If you do these seven keys, I'm telling you guys, you will shut down access to demonic powers in your life. And you'll help me because I won't have to sit there and deliver all of you. Number four is you need to crucify the flesh and you need to take up your cross daily. Number four is crucify the flesh. Someone just spam this in the chat. Crucify the flesh and take up your cross daily. That's in Luke 9.23. You need to begin. Now, this is so vital and this is so key and I've got to make sure I can't go too quick here when I say this but this is very very vital you need to make sure that you break the old habits that were set up by demonic spirits that are now gone you break the old habits that were set up by demonic spirits now that they are gone those habits that they were that were created by demons that you need to break them so they don't continue now that those spirits are gone you got to realize the flesh will not die voluntarily the flesh must be crucified. These are daily choices not to feed the flesh, but to feed your spirit. The flesh loves to gossip. The flesh loves to complain. Oh, I'm going to say that louder for some of y'all sitting in the back tonight. Come on, share this. We're not done. Share this, share this, share this. The flesh loves to complain. 
The flesh loves to gossip. The flesh loves dirty music. The flesh loves dirty movies. The flesh loves compromise. The flesh loves laziness. The flesh loves telling secrets. He loves when you don't pray. He loves when you don't read. And it's time for somebody to stop entertaining him and satisfying him and to start crucifying him. Every time you're doing one of those things, stop and say, wait a minute, the flesh loves this and I'm not going to do anything that the flesh loves. I'm not going to do anything that the, that the spirit that is quenching out the spirit in my life. Somebody tonight, I give you permission to tell your flesh to shut up once and for all. Every day you have to make it a point saying, I'm putting my flesh on the cross and I'm crucifying him. Let me tell you something that will change your life. Every single day you wake up, if you will start number one, crucifying the flesh and deciding to follow Jesus, literally just get, wake up in the morning before you step out of bed and check your Instagram that, you know, three people liked your selfie. Before you do that, I want you to crucify your flesh, put him up on that cross, tell yourself vocally, I will follow Jesus today and then put on the full armor of God because you already memorized it, right? So you're going to put on the full armor of God. It will change your entire life. If you do that, if you don't do this, the flesh will become the open door for the demons to return. If you do not do what I'm telling you tonight, the flesh becomes the vehicle that the demons are able to come through. So you need to do this. Okay. That's number four. Number five, I'm making it very clear because some of you say, you don't make it clear when you go on to the next point. Number five, develop a life of continuous praise and prayer. Notice I didn't say develop at church. I said develop a life of continuous praise and prayer. Praise, silence is the enemy and you have to develop a prayer life and a praise life. Prayer, praise, and worship are all different things. Praise silences demonic voices. Praise is when you thank God. Praise is when you shout. Come on, why y'all shouting, Isaiah? Silence is the enemy. Praise is when you sing. Praise is when you dance and praying in the spirit. These are all ways that you're able to praise God. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. This is a vital component to keeping demons out of your life. Demons don't Ooh, I felt the Holy Ghost. Demons don't want to be inside somebody who prays. Demons don't want to be inside a worshiper, a praiser, and one that has a prayer life. I can't tell you how many demons I've cast out and the demons have literally said I don't even want to be in this person because they're always at church and they're always praying and they're always fasting and they're always worshiping the demons will not want to be there in fact as you begin to do these things the demons that have been there for years are going to begin to be exposed let me answer a very important question you guys ask Isaiah why is it I've been in church for years and I've never manifested I've been in church for years and I've never felt demonic powers trying to leave me or are surfacing but the moment I begin to follow your broadcast the last six months and I'm learning about holiness and I'm getting rid of things in my house and I'm praying for the first time and I'm fasting for the first time and I'm praising for the first time why is it now that everything's starting to manifest and surface I'll tell you why because the demons were comfortable with you sitting in church doing nothing and showing up for an hour on Sunday morning but now that you're actually walking in the spirit the demons are uncomfortable and they don't want to be there some of you your deliverance is going to take 10 minutes and I'll tell you why yes Roy Hale said the demons didn't like David worshiping come on somebody I'll tell you why your deliverance goes quick sometimes it's because the demons don't even want to be there they're just waiting for somebody to break the demonic assignment so as you develop point number I mean key number five as you develop a life of continuous praise 
prayer and worship remember praise is thanking god prayer is your prayer life and worship is sacrificing those keys are going to keep demons out number six we have two more points and then i'm going to tell you about how to fill your house so that jesus said demons will not be able to enter number six maintain a life oh this is so important maintain a life of fellowship with other believers and spiritual ministry write that down number six is maintain a life of fellowship with other believers okay and spiritual ministry don't let the enemy isolate you alone the devil's number one plan is to get you by yourself because he refuses to attack the flock when they're all together he always looks to isolate you when the enemy begins to isolate you know that you have a limited amount of time before he devours you and if you're in ministry you know what i mean when that one person stops showing up to prayer that one person stops coming to your house that one person stops showing up to the revival services it's just a matter of time before the devil assassinates them now i know with covid going on it's much different but i'm telling you on a regular basis you need to maintain a life of fellowship and spiritual ministry so not just that you're with people always be ministering to somebody come on this is good stuff come on roy help me always be ministering to somebody whether it's praying for healing whether you're discipling somebody whether you're doing deliverance on somebody whether it's through the internet whether it's on the phone maintain a life of ministry because boredom is a playground write this down boredom is a playground for demons now i'm gonna help a lot of you stay-at-home moms right now i'm gonna help a lot of you mothers right now i know a lot of you you deal with insecurity i know a lot of you write in you say isaiah i feel like i'm not doing the plan god has on my life i feel like i'm not doing anything i'm stuck at home with my kids how could i reach people let me ask this question this is very important somebody take note of this when did discipling your kids become invalid in the body of christ when did we make praying for your kids and teaching your kids about god not valid in other words if you're discipling your kids if you're reading with them if you're praying with them if you're talking to them about god throughout the day that is valid discipleship so right now there's a bunch of stay-at-home moms and the moment i said always be doing ministry and discipling somebody i'll tell you exactly what the devil just did he said well you're not doing what isaiah said you're not doing deliverance you're not on the internet you're not on the phone you're not praying healing over people yet understand that is a lie from the devil because if you have children you are doing the greatest ministry there is you are raising up end time world changers that are going to change the world for jesus so understand that discipling your kids come on ladies help me in the chat please that discipling your kids counts as discipleship i don't know why in the church i know why i'll tell you why because the yeah, America has belittled and downplayed stay-at-home moms. America and the feminine feminism movement says, well, if you stay at home with your kids, you're worthless. And if you don't have a job and you don't go to college, you're worthless. That is the feminist movement that is coming to the church. And now in the body of Christ, we tell women, well, if you're not a businesswoman or you're not successful or you don't do a thousand things, then you're not successful in the eyes of God. That is a lie from the very depths of hell. If you are a stay-at-home mom and you are listening to me right now and you are raising up your kids in Christ, you are doing everything that God has called you to do and the devil is a liar I'm telling you right now I could preach a whole message on this you are doing the call of God keep doing it keep praying keep believing you are not worthless and uh, come on y'all are shouting me down in the chat God is moving and this is the talent and this is as I said last week judgment day this is what you'll be accountable for so stay at home moms you are absolutely doing spiritual ministry if you're with your kids and you're pouring into them I don't care if they're one month old 
you pray over them, you put anointing oil on them, you call them out from their from their childhood and say, you are a prophet, you've been anointed, you've been called for the ministry, understand that you are called and you are chosen and you are not less than because you're not traveling like Isaiah Saldivar, because you're not out on the street evangelizing, because you're not at the grocery store. This goes for anybody that is pouring into children. This is one of the highest callings you can possibly have is by pouring into kids. That is why Jesus said, do not withhold the little children from me. This is one of the highest callings, okay? So I'm glad I got that out of the way and I, I helped some of you break free out of that. Number seven. Okay, number seven. We're an hour and 20 minutes in, praise the Lord. It's okay, at least I don't have to pay to live stream. Number seven is commit yourself totally to Christ and determine that every thought, every word, and every action will reflect the very nature of Christ. Let me say that again. Commit yourself, number seven, key, Commit yourself totally to Christ and determine that every thought, word, and action will reflect Christ. Why? Because these will close doors from the enemy being able to get in. You cannot be halfway in and expect demons to not mess with you. Demons love believers that live on the fence. You have to say every part of me, every action, every part of my being, every fiber of my being is solely consecrated to God. And this way there is no open doors and there is no portals for the enemy to come in. Okay. Those are the seven ways. And I got a whole bunch of stuff for next week that I've that I'm already starting to prepare about a specific spirit that is coming into the church that has infiltrated the believers I'm going to talk about next week how to fill your life with gifts of the spirit how to fill your life with fruits of the spirit how to fill your house so that demons don't have entrance I'm prophesying over you tonight and I'm speaking over you tonight that every door is going to be closed and demons will not have entrance so wherever you're at I want you to close your eyes wherever you're at I want you to receive this because tonight we are putting the enemy on notice and we are breaking demonic ties and demonic powers and we are not going to live our lives from deliverance to deliverance to deliverance but we are going to begin to walk in dominion and walk in the power of God so right now and somebody wrote all seven steps right there in the chat if you want all seven steps in text somebody just wrote it you can go back and look yeah someone wrote it above thank you Casey Mack right now father we pray that every door will be shut. Father, we pray that you would take these keys that you have given us and we would begin to systematically walk them out so no doors would be open. We resist every demonic power that's trying to gain entrance. We resist every demonic spirit that's trying to nudge their way into our spiritual houses. We rebuke every demonic plan and every demonic assignment and we speak right now breakthrough. We speak chains to be broken. We speak deliverance to break out right now in Jesus' name. We call out out every demonic power that does not have a legal right and we say you must leave in Jesus name you have no authority over them you have no power over them the Lord rebukes you and right now father I pray that this word would not be stolen by the bird I pray that this word would not be trampled on by people I pray that this word will not get choked out by the cares the riches and pleasures of life I pray that this word would go deep it would not be shallow and I pray that fruit would be produced in our lives lord when we listen to your word we take it as if you were speaking directly to us so father we pray for a fresh anointing i pray and i'm going to keep praying this until all y'all get it i speak right now those that have been waiting for the baptism of the holy spirit 
I pray, Lord, that you fill them with your Holy Spirit right now. Father, we ask that you'd release the fire of the Holy Spirit. We ask that you'd release the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We ask that you'd release the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that we would earnestly desire and fervor and chase after, as you said, the gifts of the Spirit. Lord, begin to activate the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Begin to activate your anointing in our lives. Father, we are asking for divine encounter tonight. We are asking for divine breakthrough tonight. Lord, we are asking you to do what only you can do. Fill them with your spirit. Fill them with your spirit right now. If you've already been full of the Holy Spirit, you can be filled again. We just pray right now. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I speak healing. I want to sp- I want to pray a special prayer over those of you with COVID right now. I know a lot of people are downplaying it. I know a lot of pastors are saying it's not real. A lot of people are making fun. But there are many, many thousands of sick people in the hospital. And I believe right now there's a healing wave coming over you. If you're dealing with sickness, if you're dealing with COVID, I speak the healing power of God over you right now. Lord, I thank you that I've seen you heal people. I thank you that a lady wrote in saying she got healed from COVID on a broadcast. And your word says what you do for one, you'll do for another. So Lord, right now, every person dealing with COVID or sickness, I speak healing in Jesus' name. I speak breakthrough in Jesus' name. I speak your power to be released right now in Jesus' name. Yes, Letty, I pray for your brother who's very sick. I command healing to come over his body right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we are asking for a wave of healing right now and a wave of deliverance. We break COVID-19 this demonic power we command it to be broken in jesus name and we speak liberty and we speak freedom and we command the church to be healed we command the world to be healed and we command deliverance in jesus name right now wherever you're at father i pray the healing power of the holy spirit be released in jesus name come on god is moving guys thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the revival lifestyle podcast if you like what you heard go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content and please follow me on facebook youtube and instagram at isaiah saldivar see you next week